Good afternoon, everybody. It's Robert Barry Fleming, Actors Theatre of Louisville's Executive Artistic Director, and this is Borrow Wisdom. And we've got a very special guest. Kristen Boone is the president and CEO of the Fund for the Arts, one of the oldest United Arts Funds in the country. Before that, she held leadership roles at Actors Theatre, the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, and Cincinnati's Fine Arts Fund. We're going to be speaking about arts leadership in Louisville's cultural past, present, and future in the midst of this pandemic. And Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Kristen, um, are you a native of Louisville? I am. I am. I grew up here in the south end of Louisville. Um, went to high school at Pleasure Ridge Park. Those people that are from Louisville will know. Um, how important that is. That's right. I'm a Franklin County High School fella from Frankfurt. That's a thing here in Louisville, for those of you who don't know. That's that's one of our, our markers of kind of self-identifying and beginning a conversation and understanding something. Hey, Kristen, um, you are a part of one of the most unique organizations in this country. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your journey moving through um, when you were at Actors, you were in uh, the Director of Development, if I understand correctly. And what was that journey like, moving from that kind of sector, moving into being a president and CEO of an entire um, arts organization? Because we're going to really dig in a little bit about the fund, but just how did that even happen? Yeah, well, um, honestly, one of my first um, jobs out of um, college was um, as a, um, you know, my early professional at the Fund for the Arts. And so it was one of my first introductions um, to um, fundraising, to um, uh, community-based organizations, um, and my first introduction to Actors Theater was growing up here in Louisville, attending with my family, but also volunteering as an usher in high school. And so both of the organizations I have um, deep connections to. After um, I was he here at the Fund for the Arts in my early 20s and left Louisville to move to Cincinnati for a bit and worked at our sister organization, which is Fine Arts Fund, which is now Arts Wave. So had worked at these um, kind of umbrella organizations, these community-based organizations that both support the arts, but also work to, through the arts to help grow community. When I was at Actors Theater um, as director of development, um, it was really um, a, a, you know, a dream job for me. What, my first day on the job, I'll tell you, my board president took me to lunch. And um, he said to me, what's, um, you know, what's, what's, your dream job? And I said, well, <laughs> this is my dream job, of course. <laughs> is that a trick question? <laughs> um, he said, well, I, you know, I, I understand. He said, but what do you want to do in the future? And I said, well, honestly, you know, I, I, this is where I want to be. And he said, this will be one of your stops. He said, um, how do you make this place stronger so that when you leave, you leave a stronger organization? And I I think that whenever I came to the Fund for the Arts, um, that experience that I had of working in an um, arts organization and moving back into an organization that both supports the arts leaders and the incredible creatives that we have, but also connects to community, I could not do my work 
without that experience of working in the theater. Um, and so, so much of what I learned was from the, the artists and creatives that I worked with there. Um, and I think it makes me better able, I hope, to be able to support the work now. Yeah. And we are, um, we are so grateful for your support. And we're at a really pivotal time in uh, our arts uh, community. When I came in, when I was interviewing, really on the forefront of all of this was the Imagine 2020 campaign and um, that kind of holistic vision of how you support an arts organization. There was such amazing synergy. And this global pandemic has uh, really led the fund to refocus its energy on this cultural Lou recovery campaign. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that shift of focus has been like? Sure. Um, so whenever, you know, early in uh, my tenure at the Fund for the Arts, we were saying, what does the future of our arts community what's, um, look like? And um, one of the things we knew we needed was a cultural plan that brought us together around a shared vision. But the question we asked, you know, for generations before cultural plans were built on what do the arts need? Imagine 2020 was built upon what does this community need and what role do arts and culture play in moving that forward? So it flipped it on its head. Um, and what came out of it was incredible access to the arts for people to experience and participate, um, opportunities for our children, um, not just in school, but in out of school time, um, a real commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion, um, a commitment to supporting our creatives and strong institutions, and also to the idea that part of what makes Louisville a great place to live and work and attract business is our arts and culture community and really continuing to elevate that. The irony of the, the Imagine 2020 <laughs> cultural plan is that we could never have imagined 2020 yeah, um, and what it has brought um, to not just this community, but, um, but around the world. And so one of the things we recently did, and um, what we called the reimagine innovation ses session, which was, and as part of that, we revisited those five priorities of access, of equity, of education, of, and when we read those vision statements, they were even more profound in this new light, meaning that for access, you know, more art for more people, more places, and in more ways, <laughs> like, yeah. and a recommitment to um, knowing that the pandemic was really further highlighting the um, inequities in our communities. And so really um, kind of a, a reaffirmation to those those um, priorities and that vision. As we moved into the pandemic, one of the things that we knew was that this was hitting our arts and culture sector arguably are harder than any other industry. Um, just complete shutdowns, complete inability to bring people together, which is our superpower, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> as, mm -hmm. as artists and organizations, that, that conversation. But, um, and so knowing that we needed to be able to say um, there is going to be a crisis period where we're, where we're going to need to be able to provide extraordinary um, relief grants to artists and organizations. And we were able to do that to indiv individual artists, but also to organizations. But also saying we need to be focused on the long term, on the recovery. 
And what does that look like? And how do we rebuild so that when we come out of this, that we have an arts and culture community that is as strong or even stronger than when we went into this. And um, I do think it is a time for us to, it's an incredibly challenging time. It is the most challenging time any of us have seen in our, our lifetimes. But for organizations and for artists, it's, um, it's been incredibly tough. But I think it's also an opportunity to reset, to ask questions about what if. What if we were to recreate this cultural sector from the ground up? What would we do differently? What if we have to um, continue to bring our work virtually for a period of time? What if our organizations look dramatically different than they did before? How do we still deliver our gifts, our mission, um, and the work to, to people and to community? Um, and I believe that in Louisville, we are um, so incredibly well positioned to do that. And I think the cultural plan that that work, that shared vision, the collaboration of, of you, Robert, and so many of our artistic and um, business leaders um, to be that were positioned on, around those shared priorities, that we are going to be one of those communities that comes out of this stronger, that has the ability to leapfrog as opposed to just survive. Yeah, it's a powerful uh, ecosystem to be in. The, le- the arts leadership here is uh, pretty much unparalleled for a city of our size without question. You were really instrumental in bringing um, uh, expert in arts management, uh, Michael Kaiser, into a conversation with all of our arts organizations with Capacity Building Louisville, an initiative and a kind of um, philosophical approach to arts management that uh, many of us were really enthusiastic about, even uh, as we were hearing this budding and exciting news that that was going to be a full initiative for all the arts organizations here in the community. Can you just talk a little bit about what that's been like and how how prescient really that had to be um, in light of what we're now encountering? So um, after the cultural plan, the Fund for the Arts went into its own strategic planning process. And one of the things that we said was, um, we need to be supporting um, many different organizations. We need to um, make our funding and our processes and our initiatives um, more equitable and to be able to bring um, more artists and organizations into that. But we said cash can only go so far. Um, and so our grants, although incredibly important and the founda- the largest um, donors to many of um, in our sector, we said, you know, that what are the things that we can be doing that are beyond just the dollars? And so this idea of capacity building, of how do you strengthen organizations um, so that they can raise and earn and manage themselves as well as possible is the smartest investment we can make. And so we looked around the country and said, what's the best program we can find? Who's doing it? Who's leading it? And Michael Kaiser, um, formerly of the Kennedy Center, and I'm the author of many of our um, the great books on arts innovation, um, ha- has f- founded a program called the DeVos um, Institute of Arts Management at the College of Maryland, and was doing had for the best two to three years done these capacity building programs in cities around the country. Bloomberg Philanthropies 
had been funding many of those. And so I called up Bloomberg Philanthropies and said, hey, how do we get Louisville on the list? And um, they said, honestly, we know Louisville, we, we, um, but you're on the list somewhere. Mm. And when we looked at what we needed with so many demographic um, philanthropic shifts happening, we said, there's a moment of time right now. Um, and we also had, like we mentioned, an incredible set of um, talented and collaborative artistic leaders. We said, this is the time we needed. We can't wait until a national funder determines that, that it's time. So we, um, we reached out to Michael Kaiser. We said, we're gonna, have, we're gonna raise the money locally. Um, we did, um, and um, 25 organizations um, are participating in that. It started in September. It's a two-year program. There are five or six day-long sessions, all on best practice around earned income and developing your family that supports your great art, and it's um, all of the great work. And um, like you said, the timing of that um, was so, um, it aligned us as, an org as a community around where do we go? And we have one-on-one -on -one mentors for every, national mentors for every one of those groups. And then when COVID hit about six months into that, it had allowed a foundation for the organizations to both have thought about what are the best thing, the things we need to be focused on and had a national support system whenever um, we had to, to really move into the most difficult decisions um, that the pandemic forced upon our organizations. And we're really finding this pandemic's making um, comprehensive collective action really challenging because we know that one size doesn't fit all. We're in the moment of uh, a reopening here. Our governor has kind of cleared us for some phase one reopenings with some cultural organizations, the zoo. Um, people are beginning that journey. And yet we also simultaneously have a New York Times article with 15 epidemiologists saying concerts and plays. We anticipate the majority of us that that's a year away. So we know that we're hearing these conversations that I think make for a really complicated response from a public that's saying, look, we're really eager to gather. How do we do that in the wake of this pandemic and the kind of social unrest that is converging um, with this ecological and economic uh, uh, challenge that we're meeting. How do you continue to lead when you have that many nuanced factors in a collective way? Yeah, I will. Um, and we haven't even talked about the um, the um, the recent Black Lives Matter. Um, you know that the acceleration and the the explosion of that that movement and. Um, and like you said, how that on, you know, it's, I think somebody was saying, um, you know, how, how does that happen at the same time? It's been, and like you said, it, it's actually is the perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and so, um, and, and arguably that um, those conversations are, um, are even more hurtful, more, um, painful, tougher for all of us to get um, get our, our heads and our hearts around. And so um, I think that being able to lead, you know, first through the pandemic, you know, you, you have to go through it personally first. You know, you, you think, how do, how, do, how do I figure this out? You know, I have three young boys and I, you know, and, 
how do I, you know, where's my family and how do I take care? And then you think, how do we as a community move through this? How do we as an organization, how do we? And, um, but I'll say that in this community, there was very quickly a lot of, you know, coming together around, um, you know, where, how do we support each other? Um, how do we move through this, um, you know, and hopping on, um, just checking in on people first, emotionally, personally, and then beginning to move to, to what's next. I think um, we have, for us, you know, the challenge in the arts, we're a fun, you know, we don't have any earned revenue, you know, we don't have any other stream of revenue except for um, uh, asking um, our our community for support, which we then distribute to many organizations and artists. And so having conversations with people around contributions at a time when so many people were uncertain, it was, um, we knew that it was going to be tough, but we also knew that the role of the arts is so critical, and especially right now, that it was, um, it was they were important conversations to have. And I will tell you that most of the donors and community leaders and corporate leaders and individuals that we have spoken to have said, we recognize that. And we want to be a part of, um, of the rebuilding. And there has been very few that have said, just, you know, I'm completely out right now. So I think also just helping to think about there's, there's going to be tough times. And how do we do it in the most compassionate, intentional, and um, inclusive way as possible? Yeah, we've got an ecosystem. Kentucky's uh, you know, when people were, used to ask me when I would, when I left the state as a young person and I was out uh, on either coast or throughout the country, um, hey, was Kentucky uh, the Union or were they the Confederacy? And I just would say yes. I was like, that's how complex Kentucky is because we have a historical legacy of that's very layered and very co- complicated. Um, and we've got incredible talent here and many, many sectors that document, disseminate that information and also look to find ways forward for a a greater and stronger Louisville. We know that we have uh, incredible uh, camaraderie in the interpersonal, and we also recognize we have structures that continue to reify throughout the nation certain kinds of inequities that are really laid bare right now. And I've been always... Uh, so heartened by the effort of the fund to be really intentional and thoughtful about that from the start in terms of how the arts funding is uh, 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 dispersed amongst the organizations. What's the strategy? What's the short-term strategy? And what is right now the long-term strategy of how we can best support our ecosystem? Well, the good news is, so because we've been around for so many years, um, some of our longtime policies, I would say, were part of the inequities. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, it, there was an arts leader. Uh, it was a time when we had member groups, you know, that they, these were the only groups that are deemed worthy of support. And um, those organizations are still incredibly vibrant and important institutions and organizations in our community. But um, a few years ago, we just blew that out of the water and said, there's no longer just certain groups that do art that is worthy. We are now um, 
working to support um, so much more than that. And that was that was really important that those changes had been made mm -hmm. um, because we now can actually live, you know, we, we feel as if we're, we have so much more work to do, but that that has um, been so, uh, so important to our evolution. And this year, as we looked at the short term, um, how do we make grants this this coming year as we're raising money um, we are focused on operating grants because we know those are those are the dollars that organizations need right now we also have said um, one of the things around as we were working on this we knew we were looking at how do we address this the challenges during the pandemic after the pandemic so we said community impact is still important but we need to really focus on sustainability and making sure that organizations have put the plans in place and done the really difficult work um, to get them to a place where they can sustain themselves. And we need to be a part of that, but we can't um, save or fix it. You know, it has to be led by the organizations. And so this real focus on strong management of, of the organization and then the other is that we've doubled down on equity, diversity, and inclusion, and that's really in response to the most um, that our efforts to um, learn from what what has um, it's been erupting in our streets in the last week and a half, where we're hearing from our black um, neighbors and leaders, um, and saying that um, we are actually um, increasing the priority around um, racial equity in our investments, um, especially in this next year, and how and how our organizations are part of the healing process. Yeah. That it's not just enough. We had changed from um, art for art's sake. You know, we, we just, uh, and although I believe in that, that there is an, an yeah, innate value in that to us, us as people, that's not what we support as a community organization. So now we've added, and yes, you don't necessarily have to be a, a rich organization, but you have to be an organization that financially is making the, you know, the, the decisions to be able to sustain yourself. And then lastly, again, that there is this, um, an arguably over investment or over emphasis on equity right now, that to get to the future that is going to be stronger and more inclusive that there is going to be a time, and I, I don't know how long that time is, I don't know what that looks like, but that right now is the time to double down in that area. And it's interesting that that doesn't necessarily have to mean that there's not great art happening because, you know, um, there's a really interesting article uh, that came out uh, asking theater, theater um, practitioners and organizations, uh, do you find yourself shying away from uh, socio-political work? Um, and uh, have you investigated what that might uh, signal in terms of what you're doing? You know, so many of us have been asked to really look and do and operate from our missions and begin to really think of that as the base of how we would strategically think about leading and serving. And yet that can be the kind of thing that gets really siloed when you're not seeing the intersection of arts and civic engagement, arts and community building, arts and peace building uh, in a community that needs that. Um, 
So I've been very heartened to come someplace where that was already in the foreground of how people were talking about the work. It just feels like what might have felt very theoretical to some people maybe a year ago feels really visceral and real right now. And thank goodness that's, that, that we had started those conversations um, and, and, and um, with our boards, with our donors, with our coworkers, so that when this time came and we really, as artists and organizations, we needed um, to step forward, that that wasn't, um, that was already in place, you know, and, and so the work, the leadership that you have um, just in the, you know, in the past couple of weeks, um, Robert really stepped into that, um, has had such a strong voice and um and if Actors Theater had not already been on that path, stepping into that without that runway would have been much more difficult. Indeed, indeed. Kristen, do you have artists in your home? Um, so um, what I've always say is that I am um, I am um, behind the scenes. I am I am not um, the artist, but I do. Um, my boys like to play music. And so I have a piano player. I have a couple of guitar players. Um, I have not had anyone that has um, stepped into um, into drama. I'll tell you that, which um, I keep on kind of trying to push. And, that, <laughs> and, you know, and they just kind of look at me like, Mom, we're your sons. Like, it's just <laughs> not our thing. It's not going to be our thing. And I'm like, all right, you got me there. You got me there. Well, it's powerful because music is truly this universal language and there are so many ways of expressing that i've been such a uh, uh so enthusiastic to see how all of our arts communities have intersected and the work itself has intersected and we're we've been very excited about future collaborations as we move through this difficult period um what is in store for greater louisville what's in store for um the whole arts uh community and um these kind of potential collaborations that'll that'll that inevitably are going to take place. So it's a it is still a very hopeful and exciting time, in spite of um, recognizing that there is a lot of work to be done on uh, a lot of different levels. And um, I'll tell you what. Just as we think about the um, one, like I said, I think that here in Louisville and in our arts and culture community, we are incredibly well positioned one to um to really build back stronger um through this pandemic but also um as a a more inclusive community that really kind of addresses head on the um you know the systemic racism that we have put in you know and lived within in this community and i i am beyond inspired by our artists and our arts leaders that are both have led with such compassion and resilience through the um, the COVID crisis and the art that is that came out through couch concerts and through um, then you know and the work that was happening through that and now to see um, and slightly different people um, and some of the same step into these roles of challenging, of educating and healing as we battle as a community to be um, much um, 
much stronger together. So I, I'm just I'm so grateful for um, for the tirelessness and the the genius of our creative community in so many ways. What's what's sustaining you and the fund for the arts through this um, kind of just deeply challenging time? Our artists. I mean, just the work that is being put out um, at any time. I can, um, you know, uh, flip through um, our social media to just a moment to hear a song, a poem. Um, you know, the the you know that you all did an incredible panel just recently. Um, there's just been so much that um, it's our artists that the resiliency and the optimism um, that has been a part of that. That's what sustains me. And then I look around and say, this community, we we can come, we can come back even stronger. They can write case studies and New York Times articles about how Louisville did it right. And Louisville mm -hmm. reclaimed its um, position in the arts and cultural world. But also I think that um, I want the stories to be about the racial healing that Louisville um, was able to do, even through the most difficult times we've had recently around the, um, the death of Breonna Taylor. We have, we, we have had our hearts torn open, but um, it is our artists that um, are helping us to piece it back together. Yeah. The, the tragedies around Breonna Taylor and David McAtee has mobilized uh, numerous communities to have frank conversations to look these things squarely in the eye and begin to have a uh, healing without um, soft peddling what's um, essentially a, an inherited system of inequity that's really, really challenging to untether uh, at its roots to create something different. Um, but I think Kentuckians have demonstrated a kind of resilience and a kind of uh, survival to be able to face difficulty that way and keep moving forward, uh, however imperfectly, that we recognize it's not a space for perfection, it's a space for con continued engagement and continued conversation and continued action. I think that's one of the great strengths of you know, being a Kentuckian, something I'm very proud of that no matter how imperfectly it's done, we keep at it, continuing to figure it out and be frank with one another about how we might do that. And I am so grateful for your leadership in, um, in that ende endeavor. Uh, I really think of uh, the Fund for the Arts as a partner, not only for the arts community, but for the community as a whole, because we really recognize what that, that means. There's very few places that still have uh, not only uh, a great theater, a ballet, an opera, a symphony, uh, having the all of these different great music, like having great museums of varying varied size and focus. Um, what do you think has led Louisville to still sustain what cities that outpaced us, such as Cleveland, years ago, um, historically? Uh, why do we still have those things, and other ecosystems have struggled? I think it's a couple of things. One, I think, is that I, I will say that the Fund for the Arts, this is a part of that, um, that we um, have 20,000 people that um, give to the Fund for the Arts to be able to, to be um, a key support um, investment in every one of those organizations. And we are 10 to 20% of the operating budgets 
of, um, of our, um, many of our arts organizations and supporting many of the um, initiatives in our schools and, and um, access to free admission um, during the summertime. But um, that, those, the number of people that give what they can to be able to make sure that that continues in our community, I give it all to, um, to our donors. Um, and most of our donors, we often, you know, yes, we do have some donors that give very, very generously and we're so grateful for them. But I really look to the people that give a dollar a week through payroll deduction, who say, in this community, we are going to do what we can to be able to make sure that it's accessible to as many people as possible. And so it's really um, the people of this community that have continued to, to believe that that's important. We've had a lot of uh, great arts organizations, but also educational uh, initiatives through those arts organizations. Uh, let's just highlight one program, Arts for Cosair Kids. Can you talk about how, how do you support something like that? How does that make its way into a conversation? Well, so um, so this is funded by one of um, one of our local foundations that's focused on um, children, um, uh, special needs children, but recognizing that that means many things. That means everything from uh, either hearing um, impaired, um, whether it's um, those children who are um, were abused or abandoned, or um, children in poverty. So understanding that special needs look like, uh, like many different things. And so with the support of that foundation, we have arts residencies for all of those children, um, weekly um, um, arts residencies in many different special, um, special needs agencies. And so those kind of, this idea that more art for more people and that everyone deserves to have arts as part of their everyday lives, when we really think about what are those kind of most, um, underserved communities or those, um, whether it's um, a, a population, a neighborhood, um, or a special needs um, facility, how do we um, really bring the power of our, our arts and our artists to, um, to the lives of those people? And so it's really thinking about where do we need it and, and how do we bring that, um, that special um, gift? How does kids and families, business and community intersect for the Fund for the Arts? Um, I will say that one of the thing around, um, we believe that in our community that a strong um, art space is what makes our lives um, you know, much more rich. And that's what makes our families, um, opportunities for our families much richer. Um, and it attracts business um, and helps to build the, the economic base. So we think it's it's all cyclical. It builds upon each other. It's an integral piece of the puzzle. You can't have economic development without it. You can't have a strong education without it. You can't have strong quality of life. And on the flip side, those artists and organizations have to be thinking about their role in the quality of life of our families, in community development, in education, and in economic development as well. What do you hope for uh, um, our arts community and our civic spaces in the coming months and years? What is the big hope? The big hope is that um, we have the opportunity for our um, artists and organizations to really lead the the way for a more inclusive um, community. Um, I really do believe that that is where our 
um, greatest contribution will be in the, the short and even long term as well. And then I also believe that as we think about really putting Louisville on the map, that we have the opportunity to leapfrog many other communities. Everybody's dealing with these same challenges. In Louisville, we have the opportunity to not just get back to where we were, but to really think about a stronger Louisville than when we walked into this. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us here for Borrow Wisdom. So grateful to you. Yeah, and you too. Thanks for everything. Thanks for joining us, folks. That's been Borrow Wisdom. Uh, Kristen Boone, President and CEO of the Fund for the Arts. Thank you again. We'll see you next week. Borrowed Wisdom is a community-supported project of Actors Theatre Direct, the virtual home of Actors Theatre of Louisville. It's hosted by Executive Artistic Director Robert Barry Fleming. Learn more about Actors Theatre of Louisville at actorstheatre.org.